Welcome to Intimacy Architecture with Christiane Bella. This call-in radio show is here to help you discover the power of your intimacy. So join us with your questions for Christiane and her world-renowned guests, authors, speakers, and doctors. Together, they will help you build a life you love. This is a shame-free space where no topic is taboo. Here is your host, Christiane Bella. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am Christiane Bella, and you are listening to Intimacy Architecture Radio. We are joined today all the way from South Africa with Dr. Megan Martin. Um, I am so grateful to have you here. So, Dr. Megan Martin is a um, has been recognized by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for International Family Planning uh, Leaders. She has contributed to the Celebration of Volvo Diversity book, um, and she is just doing some wonderful work helping to debunk the virginity myth, and, um, and we're going to be talking about that today along with other important things to know about your body, and so we are very happy to have you here. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So you tell me a little bit about how you got your start. Um, What drew you to women's health or or, um, specifically um, to be focused in on how to help um, women? Because I loved on your site, you know, you talk a lot about that it it is – geared towards women who love women, which I think is a really important subject. Um, But what, yeah, what drew you into the medical field? I think from a young age, I already knew that I wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. So it was just a matter of which doctor do I want to be? And my mother was always pushing me towards being an obstetrician gynecologist Mm -hmm. because in our little town, they were all old men. There were no Mm. female gynecologists. So she thought, here's the market. We're going to make some money. (laughs) Her dream for my life. So during my high school years, I went and shadowed in the maternity wards Mm. at the the local hospital. So I watched deliveries and assisted the the OBGYN. And then I realized sort of, frankly, how badly women are treated, even in very expensive private healthcare. Yeah. And they women aren't comfortable with mm-hmm. these intimate things. And then we have these old men making jokes while they're busy suturing up your right. business down there. It's, it's inappropriate to me. So I thought, I am not going to let this happen. I, I'm going to fix this, you know, I'm going to be different. And then from there, I just started being interested in all the things that women are embarrassed to talk about. Mm. I wanted to provide that safe space. So for me, I thought the most taboo was obs and gyne, mm-hmm. you know. So I sort of went that route. And then during med school, during my, my gynecology rotation, we had a sexual health clinic pop up one day. And we had a sexual health physician come in for the day, like very fancy, fancy. And I was lucky enough to sit in on one of her consultations with her patients. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time in my life that I saw a woman being prescribed a a vibrator. That's great. And I thought that that was the coolest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And this is what I'm meant to do with my life. Absolutely. And I was like, yes, (laughs) being a doctor can be this cool. Yeah, no. And from there, it's sort of, blossomed and I'm still sort of finding my my niche but yeah I love it I love that journey because it is like you know when I often have to go find a doctor like I'm very specific to try to find a female doctor I was like I want someone who understands physically what's going on who emotionally can relate um and I think there's such a challenge with women being heard by doctors that I want someone who also understands that who's actually going to be an active listener so I love that you saw the need and you you showed up to be the change um so that's fantastic and yeah I mean I think you know if if we had more and I feel like it is coming around and obviously you're you're part of that movement um, of this 
freedom to take the taboo things and and strip away the shame of it and to really make these conversations commonplace so that we have the education that we need so that we can really feel empowered to understand our bodies and enjoy our sexuality and enjoy our pleasure um, because I feel like that's a big part of the the sexual health um, and safer sex education that is missing is this idea of, of being sex positive and it not being a fear-based, um, you know, approach to things. So I love that. Yeah. You know, doctors prescribing vibrators, like, yes, like your pleasure matters and learning your body is important. So that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, obviously South Africa being, um, I mean, like a lot of places, you know, because we have it here in America too, very, you know, there's a lot of religious um, pressure, conservative pressure. Are you finding talking about sex um, to be something that's being met with some challenges of of people who are just like really uh, standoffish to have these conversations with you? Yeah, I mean, even growing up, like I wasn't one of those teenagers that could talk about sex or anything Mm -hmm. like that with my Mm -hmm. friends we all secretly obviously secretly dealt with our own things thinking that if the secret came out it would be the end of the world like oh no she's thinking about sex she must be a terrible person Mm -hmm. but then now as a doctor especially because now I'm working in a rural township clinic it's Mm -hmm. very conservative lots of cultural customs and they are having sex not, maybe right. not necessarily waiting for marriage, but there, there's still that shame there. Mm-hmm. So when I tell them that, oh, you, you have an STI, and they're like, how did that happen? I'll be like, from sex. Yeah. And they'll be like, uh, but I haven't had sex in, in like five years. Totally dismissing it. And I have right. the teenagers that come in and they're bleeding profusely from their vagina. They're having a, like a miscarriage and they're bleeding out. Wow. Pregnancy test is positive and she will not admit that she has had sex. She will, she'll rather die than tell her mother that she has had sex, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like people are willing to die because of the shame that they are facing. But what, what I do enjoy is that the older, I call them my gogos, the old grannies in the Mm -hmm. community, postmenopausal, and somehow the subject of sex comes up and their whole faces light up and they're so excited to talk about it. And they want to know about all the lubricants and like how they can start having sex again. I, I love it. They're my favorite. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. So, um, yeah, so let's dive in because that, that is an interesting thing that you brought up about this idea that there's so much shame around having sex before marriage that that people would be suffering um, rather than admit that, that this was, you know, the choice that they made. Um, So there are some myths around virginity and the hymen. um, Cause I know that's something, you know, I remember being taught at a young age is like, you have this hymen and you have to be like, be very careful not to break it because then the whole world will know that you're not a virgin. Um, you know, and that you're, you'll be loose and, and all of these things that, um, that are real misconceptions. So, um, yeah. So let us, cause I love that you can come from this medical standpoint and really like bring the science into this. Yeah, for sure. So in my opinion, there are three main myths when it comes to the hymen. And the first one is that the hymen is some sort of seal that completely covers the vagina. Nothing goes in, nothing goes out. You're sealed off, you're pure. (laughs) Which doesn't make any sense considering where does the menstruation go? Where where does that 12-year-old, when she has her periods, where is that coming from? If it was completely covered up, it's actually a medical condition called an imperforate hymen. And then you would only sort of find out about that late in the teen years when you start wondering, why isn't this girl menstruating yet? Mm. So someone takes a look down there and you realize that the blood has been collecting her whole life pretty much behind the hymen. And the only way to fix that is to have a surgery to cut it open and release everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first myth is that it's actually a partial 
oh, it's a partial closure mm-hmm. of the, the opening, not an entire closure. Then the second myth is that the hymen breaks or tears right. during penis and vagina sex. Mm-hmm. And that's what we call losing your virginity. Right. Right. So by thinking about this, does this mean that if you masturbate, if you put something in there, if you use a tampon, are you breaking your virginity? Mm-hmm. And girls worry mm-hmm. about this. We do. Yeah. And the second, the third myth, sorry, is that when you have sex for the first time, you will bleed, which is not the case. Yeah. It only happens in about 50% of cases. And usually it's not from the harm and tearing at all. It's from rushed sex with no foreplay, mm. no lubrication. You're tensing up because you have no idea. You're scared. Right. You're nervous. And maybe the sex is so rough that you're getting these abrasions inside the vagina. And that's mm-hmm. where the blood's coming from. It's not yeah. from the, the hymen itself. Right. Because our vaginal wall is like super sensitive. Um, and, you know, something I always teach people is, you know, is not only should you clip your fingernails, but you shouldn't like clip your fingernails like right before. Like you need to make sure, you know, there are no rough edges. Ideally, you want to use gloves because like the slightest thing can scratch the vaginal walls and cause um, tears and irritations. And so it's so important to like be, you know, aware of that um, and be sensitive around that. And that's why, you know, lubricants and things are are really vital. But yeah, just, you know, this idea that we would look for something like that, that that virginity has been built up uh, as this strangely sacred thing um, that, you know, that there should be some sort of proof that your partner is a virgin. Otherwise, like their status uh, is is somehow lesser than. Um, yeah, the bleeding is one that I remember from when I was younger and reading like this book about this girl losing her virginity and there being blood and having like fear that like, oh my God, that sounds awful, you know? Um, and yeah, and the first time, you know, I was trying to figure out how to use a tampon being worried about um, breaking my hymen and, and thinking that that would somehow, yeah, like loosen up my body. Um, so let's talk a little bit about from again, from the kind of this medical standpoint, I mean, your body is meant to expand and contract. Like this idea that you become loose is also a medical misconception because um, when we, I remember talking previously, you know, this idea that you were saying like your hymen is like a scrunchie. And I was like, that's, that's like a good analogy for things. Yeah. So there are different types of hymens, okay. which have vaguely the same shape. Mm-hmm. They can be circular or semi-circular, or they can have like many different holes mm-hmm. in the hymen. And that's what allows the menstruation to come out and for things to go in. But this hymen is very elastic. It's not the stiff tissue that's going to break the moment you touch, you touch it. Right. It's a scrunchie that can stretch really large and then just go back to its original position mm-hmm. afterwards with no evidence that it was ever stretched before. And that's exactly how the hymen works. Yeah. So um, you were telling me a story about, and I thought this was fascinating, uh, about a woman um, who was a sex worker who had, and and her hymen was not broken. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a study done over 100 years ago but it's Dr. Mary Jansett, mm-hmm. and she examined a middle-aged sex worker who had obviously been having lots of sex for mm-hmm. many, many years. And when she was examined, well, her exact words were something along of, along the line of she had a pre-pubescent hymen. Wow. Like no evidence of any penetration had been found. Yeah, that's fascinating. So what purpose does this hymen serve in as far as like um what does it do for our body does it like help support the vaginal walls or what what does it do to help our structurally that's a question i'm not too sure about okay but i assume it's a little bit of a barrier in the same way that we would consider pubic hair right a barrier to entry okay 
right? So you don't want, like, if you're naked out in the woods mm-hmm. to accidentally get stabbed all the way up your vagina. <laughs> right. You know, it's part of the, the barrier mechanisms in place. Okay. Although it's, once again, not a total barrier. Right. Yeah. So, so seeing as the hymen can stay intact long after sex, um, is there any medical way to prove virginity? Because I know out here in the States, there was some like crazy rapper father who was like taking his daughter in for uh, OBG visit to see if she was still a virgin. And it, you know, became all the Twitter rage. Um, and so, Bradley, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, is there, is there any way to, to tell the difference? So absolutely not. That, that's the yeah. short answer. There is no way to tell whether someone is a virgin by looking at her genitals mm-hmm. in the same way that you can not tell whether a man is a gen- right. has had sex by looking at his genitals. And the whole TI story just is mind boggling for me. Like first we know that we've known for a hundred years that you can't test for virginity. Why is he, letting his daughter do that. Mm-hmm. It's creepy to me. And then he broadcasts his daughter's virginity status to the whole world. Yeah. I don't know. No, no father should be that involved with his daughter's genitals. Right. Yeah. And it really is, you know, like you said, there's no way, you know, nobody looks to do this to men. No one's going around like checking penises to see if they've had sex. Um, and so I feel like there's, you know, there's a lot of layers here. One, the misconception that virginity is this heterosexual penis in vagina act, because obviously there's a broad spectrum of sexuality that is being dismissed here. Um, and two, that it, yeah, it's a very female focused concept that no one is is judging men. In fact, to the contrary, you know, men get this sort of, status at least here in the states of like oh you're a stud like you're you know you're like this macho guy if you've had a lot of sex and and you know yeah. and women They're get the for that behavior yeah. yeah yeah so um so where where do you think that stems from the concept of virginity i think it all comes back to men trying to control women mm-hmm. and they for them seeing women as objects. Mm. And this is also played out in our traditional ceremonies of marriage. You know, when the father walks the daughter down the aisle Mm -hmm. and literally gives her away onto the next family, that's a transfer of property. It's completely sexist. Mm -hmm. Who's giving the groom away? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, in, because you've, have you had people come to you and like ask you to, to check their children to see whether or not they're a virgin or is, is that something that happens? Is there, um, is that a, a thing out in, in South Africa? So f- personally for me, I've never been asked. Okay. But I have sort of been, it's been the other way around where I needed to perform a vaginal examination Mm. and other staff would say that I shouldn't do it because I'm going to break her virginity. She's a virgin. You can't touch her there. So I'm like, what do you want me to do? It's her health. I'm not having sex. Is that not the definition of virginity? It's having sex for the first time. Right. Right. So then it comes to the more important question of what is sex? Yes. Is it penis and vagina? Mm -hmm. Because if it's only penis and vagina, what about oral sex? What about Mm -hmm. anal sex? What about all the experiences of the LGBT community? Mm -hmm. You know, and what about the straight couples who just don't do penis and vagina sex? Right. You know, it just completely erases all of those people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think when we put this stigma on this idea of 
like, it's like you give it away or somebody takes it from you. You know, those are like the terms that we tend to associate with virginity um, as opposed to feeling empowered and aware of your body and aware of your connections to say that I'm choosing, I'm choosing to interact with this person and we get to decide what our sexual experience looks like because um, it may have nothing to do with anything being inserted anywhere. You know, like you said, it may be more um, just foreplay or oral sex or, or using toys. Like there's such a broad spectrum of what our sexual encounters can be. Um, And I think, you know, for me, that was like a big, when I started doing more and more sex education was realizing that if I was attracted to somebody and I wanted to connect with them sexually, that penis and vagina was not my like default go-to and that there was this huge buffet of choices that I had to, to decide how did I want to connect with this person. Um, And so, yeah, if we allow people to feel more empowered about like, okay, you know, what do you want your experience to be? And um, that you would go in perhaps to your first experiences feeling so much more prepared um, and likely having a safer sex experience as opposed to, you know, being in, in fear and, and uh, you know, putting it on such a pedestal or avoiding it. You know, I, I have a lot of couples that I see that um, did not have any sort of sexual interactions before marriage out of religious beliefs and come to find out, you know, down the road, they're not sexually compatible. They, you know, they didn't know anything about their sexuality or their bodies. And, and now they're with this partner and they just don't have that chemistry and you know they're just perplexed as to what to do you know whereas I think given that opportunity at a younger age to to start to understand you know in your 20s like what it is that you enjoy about your sexuality um so is there a big stigma then like so when you're dealing with your client or your um, other colleagues I mean do you feel like it, it's your job then to kind of break it down for them that like virginity and, and medical exams you know are not the same thing um, do you find yourself having to do that a lot yeah so previously when they used to stop me from doing the vaginal mm-hmm. examinations I was more junior so I thought okay. you know there was this pressure to Fine, fine. I don't. I disagree, but mm-hmm. I'll I'll just do what you say. But now, especially since I told them all about the fact that I'd be here and talking about this, they were like, "What virginity myth?" And we all sat down and had a conversation about it. And these are all healthcare professionals, and they don't know these things. Wow, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. Really, with the anatomy. <laughs> We go to school for this, which mm-hmm. is obviously inadequate education, right. but still. Yeah. Well, and because it is such a societal structure, you know, and, and so this like cultural idea. Um, but I think it's wonderful that, yeah, that you are, you know, you're, you're kind of standing up and holding the space for, for these new ideas to come through that, you know, that this is a myth, that there really isn't, you know, some sacred holy piece of skin protecting you know the the precious virginity um and that our bodies really to have more autonomy i think over our bodies and and the choices that we want to make and and how we're going to engage with them so your website is just chock full of wonderful resources so i want to take a moment for anyone listening um if you want to have any more information um one of the great things that you know you have a lot of great giveaways on your your website of information one of them is the low libido checklist um there's a lot of information about the the virginity myth um and so you can find uh it's drmeganmartin.com and i highly recommend you hop on there and check it out it is just um wonderful blogs and information so thank you for collecting and putting all of those resources there um, because i think we can get stuck kind of in the the Google rabbit hole when we're trying to figure out things about our bodies and ourselves. So um, drmeganmartin.com, you can find a lot of wonderful resources there. Definitely hop on and check that out. So um, like I had mentioned earlier, you contributed to the Vulva Diversity book. 
and um, and not all women have vulvas and not all people with vulvas are women. So um, I think that's important to note. And I love that you address that because I think, again, in, in trying to be inclusive, you know, um, about our sexuality that, you know, everybody is, is, has their own way of, of uh, navigating their journey. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the vagina itself, because something else on your, your website um, and in, you know, in our conversation uh, earlier was that your vagina is self-cleaning, which is something I think a lot of people, I, I know I personally didn't realize this for a long time um, and would buy all these products, you know, these coochie washes and things that are actually not good for you. Yeah. They're expensive and they're really not good for you. Like we're not meant to put a bunch of like chemical stuff on there. Um, So yeah, let's talk a little bit about the health and, um, and caretaking of of your uh, vagina. Okay, great. I love this topic. So As you said, the vagina is self-cleaning, right? So Mm -hmm. everything that's up there is designed to come out Mm. naturally. If there's any debris, extra discharge, cervical mucus, everything gets collected and it's sent out on its way. The problem comes when we start to interfere with this natural Mm. cycle of things. So the vagina is full of lots of lactobacilli, which is a very specific type of good bacteria Mm -hmm. that helps to keep the pH right and all this delicate balance of the vagina in place. When we start using these washes or douches, we start killing these bacteria Mm -hmm. who are trying to look after us. And this can cause things like bacterial vaginosis, or yeast infections. And that's what starts to make your vagina smell. Mm -hmm. So you'll start to find that you use the product maybe once or twice. Now, all of a sudden your vagina smells. So I must go and buy more products. Right. Because now my vagina smells funky. I can't live like this. I'm embarrassed. My partner's going to smell it. And then you shove as much as you can in there to try and smell like a flower or rose. I don't know what you're trying to smell like but it just messes up the whole system. And it's such a mission to get it back to normal again. Right. You know? Yeah. So when it comes to your genital self-care, if you have a vulva, Mm -hmm. my go-to advice is, because people are worried about what they need soap for because it stinks and you sweat and they have lots of questions. When you're in the shower, I want you to put your legs together, tied together, right? And usually the only part that will be exposed is the mons, which is the the top area with all the pubic hair. Mm-hmm. That part you can wash with soap. Okay. Okay. Right. If you open your legs, that part that you can reach without going inside can only be washed with water. Oh. Right? And inside... You don't do anything. Okay. <laughs> Leave it alone. Not even water should go up there. You should never be, what do you call it, douching, but right. trying to wash out the vagina because you're yeah. washing out the good stuff that's protecting you. And then all of these invaders and infections come in and people wonder why they're living with these chronic bacterial or yeast mm-hmm. infections. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. Yeah. Because I think, you know, it was something... I- I mean, I don't have TV anymore, but in the 80s when I used to have like TV with commercials, there was always this commercial for, um, it was like something spring and it was like, you know, because you want to, and it was like a douche commercial. It was like summer's eve, like spring. And and yeah, this idea that your like vagina should smell like this like fresh floral, you know. um, And uh, yeah, and then that's similar to what happened to me is like, you know, in my, my teens and early twenties, I was doing that. And then I kept getting yeast infections. And it's like, yeah, because you're like messing up the pH balance. Like it is a very delicate ecosystem. And, and just like your gut, like you you need certain bacteria is actually vital to your health. And it is really like an important part of our, our health and well being. Um, and so, yeah, you don't want to strip everything away. So, yeah. um, so, Let's talk a little bit about um, safer 
sex, since we're kind of on the subject of, of virginity and, um, and keeping our, our vulvas healthy, um, what is, do you get the opportunity to, you know, cause I'm guessing like there isn't much sex education in South Africa. Like what is the, the protocol for sex education in South Africa? If you're lucky, it's really minimal, yeah. but there isn't really. There's actually a new campaign by the government being built up now for mm-hmm. comprehensive sex education, but the the pushback is is, is crazy. Mm. So wow. it's, it's still not implemented quite yet. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah, here it, it is a state by state thing, and some states are very abstinence driven. Even though you know studies have shown that that doesn't work in those states where it's abstinence driven, actually have the highest rate of like teen pregnancies and. Um, and even where there is a more comprehensive sex education, it again doesn't encompass this idea of, well, one, it, it's very hetero driven. There really isn't sex education for LBGTQIA plus communities. And it has nothing to do with pleasure. It's definitely this very fear-based um, approach that you should be, you know, scared and, and STDs and pregnancy. And uh, so, you know, it, it definitely drives home this idea that like sex is bad. Um, and so what, you know, going forth, you know, if, if you could say like, what are some of like the key things that we would want to be teaching um, younger people about how to approach safer sex? I think the first thing that we need to talk about is expanding the definition of sex. Mm -hmm. That sex is way more than penis and vagina. Because not only is that good for pleasure, the obvious pleasure reasons, Mm -hmm. but you can also get STIs from other forms of sex as well. Right. You know, and a condom's not going to help you pretty much with, with that. Yeah. You know, and people aren't aware that you can get STIs from oral sex, from anal sex, even from mutual masturbation. Mm -hmm. There's so much that we, so many basic things that people need to know that we aren't taught. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a trend. I don't know if it's still a thing out here, but there was a trend for a while in the face of purity culture. Um, and this idea of having these purity rings and promising that, you know, you would stay a virgin until you got married, that people were having anal sex so that they could say they were still a virgin, um, but that, you know, they they would get to have some sort of engagement with their partner. And I thought like, wow, like, anal sex is one of the more dangerous, you know, especially if you don't know what you're doing, you know, the, the, the yeah. tendency to, to transmit, yeah, an STI um, for, you know, for blood um, to be involved, uh, for a tearing of anal tissue, because, you know, it's a very sensitive area. And I just thought like, this is just really not the way to go like you know to to not have right right yeah yeah like anal sex is like you know sex 2.0 like it's it's like where you graduate to you don't really like start there like um so yeah so purity culture kind of circling back around to um the virginity um is there purity culture rings? Is that a big thing out in South Africa? Are, are people like very much on that bandwagon of, of kind of marketing um, this idea of, of purity as a, a control tool? Definitely. I think it was definitely a big thing when I was a teen. Mm-hmm. I was heavily involved in the church and not so more anymore. So I don't mm-hmm. really associate with circles that tend to be promoting that right. agenda but back as a teen I was very religious you know I was very intent on saving myself for marriage I was a youth leader in the church I had to set an example you know like we taught it's the greatest gift that you can give your husband one wow. day wow yeah and, and it's like well what if you don't want a husband what <laughs> what if you want a wife or what what if exactly. you want to be a virgin forever yeah for you just want to stay single and just enjoy your life. Um, and so what shifted for you at, at some point, something must have shifted to say like, this is not the, the path for me. 
So it, it was the path for me until I landed up having penis and vagina sex for oh, the first okay. time. And after that, it, it was unplanned mm-hmm. with someone who wasn't special at all, mm-hmm. which, which added to the shame as well. Mm. After that, I just felt dirty and worthless, like a hypocrite. I was just horrified by my own behavior. Like, how could I? Mm-hmm. You know, and it took quite a long time to work through that. Yeah. And I mean, once it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So I tried to look at it that way. And I try to like talk to myself and say, you know, I haven't lost everything. I'm still a human being. This is not the mm-hmm. end of the world. I'm still going to find a husband one day. And, you know, some things just don't work out mm-hmm. like you plan. You know, but then after a while, not, not even too long, I... I realized how freeing it was now that Mm -hmm. this big thing that I'd been worried about for years was now a non-issue. I was free to have fun and explore and do all the things that I've been wanting to do, but were too scared to do. Yeah. Liberating. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, it's a long journey. Like there's still a lot of shame with women enjoying sex. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, when I was asked to talk about this and even to mention now about a little bit about my experience mm-hmm. I was worried about like what are people going to think because now people know I've had sex mm-hmm. you know I'm a doctor and you know doctors aren't humans right. you know my, now my my reputation as a doctor is ruined by talking about the fact that I not only have sex but I enjoy it I was <laughs> a little bit nervous about what people will think you know but it's ridiculous. I mean, if that is how the world works, like I don't want to live in that world. Right. So, yeah. No. So you have to change the world. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think having these conversations is the piece to, to kind of breaking down this patriarchal damnation that we've been living under <laughs> for so long um, and really empowering women to, you know, I, I mean, really all, all people, but I feel like women tend to bear the biggest burden in this um to say that yeah that like you know my body is um is valuable my life is valuable regardless of how much and with whom i have sex like that is actually kind of um a moot point to my um worth and and who i am as a human being um and that yeah and that my pleasure is actually uh a worthwhile component to, to the joy in my life. You know, we, we certainly go out of our way as human beings to find pleasure in, in a lot of unhealthy practices, you know? Um, and so to say that like your sexual pleasure is somehow dirty, but, you know, eating dessert isn't, or having that cocktail is, you know, like there's so many things I think that we do, yeah. To, to feel good um, and we have every right to feel good. And I think the more empowered we are to understand what brings us pleasure, um, you know, our, our freedom, I can, I can definitely see where, you know, the empowered f- freedom can be threatening to other people because it's like, well, what do I bring? If you can bring yourself joy, then what do you need me for? But it's like learning how to, to combine and complement each other's like, yeah, I do know my body. And so I can actually have a conversation with you and tell you what I like, and we can learn and discover together. Um, And that's where, to me, I think, you know, the virginity myth is, is a misconception on so many levels, but this idea that it's like this one time or this first time, it's like, you can kind of have a first experience with everybody that, you know, if you, if you have different partners throughout your life, if you, um, explore, you know, even with my, you know, my husband and I have been married for five years now. And there are moments where I'm like, oh, like, I feel like I've kind of shifted and grown and, and processed something and I'm, I'm in a new space. Um, and then from a scientific standpoint, like every seven years or something, I think all of our cells regenerate. So you're literally in like a whole new body. <laughs> so, yeah. So this idea of like, you know, this, this first time, like, obviously there is, something about you know the first time you do anything like I remember the first time I drove my car or you know the first time I you know uh spoke on stage or whatever it is like there is this moment of like oh wow like I'm you know doing this for the first time but um but I don't think it takes away and I think that's the the big part of it is like somehow it takes away from the joy that you could be having uh, sexually and so um yeah I, I really hope that 
you know, the, I, I believe that the work that you're doing and, and having these conversations is, is kind of taking that power back to say like, you know, every experience I have is, is a valuable experience. Yeah, definitely. So um, tell us a little bit more about how you have navigated being in this conservative society and, and kind of bringing out more of these conversations um, and providing, you know, some more awareness about um, kind of breaking these, these myths that we have. I think it's, it's a journey. It's still a journey mm-hmm. and it's still a little bit in the early phases for me, at least mm-hmm. because I've carried this around like a secret for so long right i've actually started sort of talking to the internet more than the people in my real life mm-hmm. about it you know but now that i'm getting a little bit more confidence i've realized just how eager people are to talk mm-hmm. about these things everyone wants to know that it's not just them yes they're, they're not weird they're not a pervert for enjoying sex yeah you know? And I love it. And we'll talk for hours. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a freeing kind of conversation to share that with someone. I love that. And I love how you were mentioning earlier about, you know, post-menopausal um, women coming in and kind of like rediscovering their sexuality and feeling, you know, empowered to be like, yeah, like I, I'm, I still want to, you know, enjoy my body and like, how do I get to um, enjoy sex and, and learn about, you know, what pleases me at this stage of, of my life. Um, so I think that's so fun that like, you know, they, these women are coming out um, to, to have these conversations with you. And, and again, you know, for providing wonderful resources online, because I, I think it is where we get so much of our information, especially now in the midst of pandemic you know stuff like more and more people are inside (laughs) navigating their life via the internet so um so if you are just catching um the end of this conversation uh once again is dr megan martin um and you can find her at drmeganmartin.com is chock full of wonderful resources um including a low libido checklist um and other information about debunking the virginity myth um and the proper care and maintenance of your wonderful vulva so i highly recommend that you check that out um so for people who are listening, who um, are still kind of maybe processing through um, shame or, or anxiety about, um, about their first sexual experience, um, do you have any thoughts for them on, you know, just kind of, I guess, reassuring and um, that, again, there is no like medical thing that actually happens to the vagina after the first time you have sex yeah so if we use a scenario of someone who was supposed to save themselves for marriage Mm -hmm. right and for some reason or other she has had sex or she's even been raped Mm -hmm. and now her virginity is gone apparently right if you were to examine her, you would see that there, there's no evidence that any penetration could have taken place. There have actually been studies on pregnant teenagers in the U.S. They did a study in 2003 where these pregnant teenagers were examined after they were sexually abused to, de- mm. to determine if there was any penetration. And only two of them had any signs of penetration. And that's in a more forceful sort of context. That's right. not even the consensual happy sex, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, I've lost my train of thought. (laughs) Uh, We were talking about uh, that medically you can't see any difference and that uh, the study showed, you know, these women. Yeah. Yeah. So in these conservative cultures, especially the cultures where the parents are heavily involved in maintaining the woman's virginity, mm-hmm. women are, res- res- what do you call it? They land up having to make sure that they bleed on their wedding night. Mm. So even if they are virgins, they are so scared of not bleeding that night mm-hmm. that they have to make a plan. 
So they either use fake blood during the act or they can be fancy and they buy an artificial hymen online oh, where they wow. can place this hymen inside the vagina before sex and as the penis penetrates, it squirts fake blood out of the, the vagina onto the sheets. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, I mean, some people are also resulting to surgery. Mm-hmm. We call it a hymenoplasty, mm-hmm. where they want to try and make the hymen look like it did way back as a child. Wow. And, yes, these women have to now – Go out and show the bed sheets to the the family, and sometimes even the the partners or the husbands are in on it. Mm-hmm. Like they don't care, but it's so important to the family that she's a virgin and that she doesn't get kicked out or divorced or ostracized. And I mean, even in Pakistan, if they find out you're not a virgin, they have honor killings where they feel like they're killing someone who's immoral just because she's not a virgin or supposedly doesn't look like a virgin on her genitals, even if she is. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it is. It's just like blows my mind to think about, because uh, I th- sometimes think like, you know, how repressed it is here in America. And then I have to reality check myself and realize like, no, we're incredibly privileged compared to yeah places like Pakistan where it's like, you would like, you know, this honor killing is just like, it's hard to even fathom that that actually goes on in this day and age. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Because my, my first sexual experience was a result of sexual assault. So that was, you know, it's like in addition to the, the trauma that came with the assault was this idea that I didn't do enough to protect my sacred virginity. Um, So it was like this extra layer of, of stuff I had to like process and like kind of clear out of like, no, that, you know, my, my choosing to engage with somebody is my choice. And that's, you know, that's the way I I learn about my sexual experience and, and to just kind of take that power back and, and not um, allow this, you know, this myth again of of virginity to, to kind of plague um, my emotional stature um, and, and how I was navigating things. Um, so you, like you had mentioned earlier, there, there are people who are just like so dead set on, on claiming anyway, that they're still a virgin, um, that they would, you know, be willing to risk their health for it. Um, do you see that changing hopefully as, as sex education becomes a little bit um, like you said, it's just barely beginning with with the government's approval. But um, do you do you see a, a change potentially in, in the future of, of this idea of of accepting um, people's sexual empowerment and and kind of this pulling back, hopefully, of the family unit from from feeling the need to, uh, to micromanage that? Yeah, I think. Slowly, especially now in the government sector where I work, Mm -hmm. we're trying to create youth-friendly clinics to promote um, young teens getting contraceptives and abortions. Mm -hmm. And our law is is great when it comes to the termination of pregnancy laws here. Mm -hmm. So a, a child of any age can get an abortion, I think, no, it's the age of 11. So from the age okay. of 11, she can get an abortion without the parents even knowing. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So we're making some progress. I mean, it's not ideal just yet. Mm-hmm. We obviously still have, you know, the teenagers come in for their family planning visit, you know, to get their contraceptives. And they'll be shamed by the nurses there saying, why are you having sex? You're too young for this. Mm. So they have to sit through this process of getting scolded mm. and shamed and then hopefully at the end, they at least get their contraceptive. Right. And all they want to do is do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is tricky um, because obviously, you know, there is the way in which the brain develops. And um, similar to how, you know, I've had conversations with uh, people who I'm like, you know, it's not that like marijuana is bad. It's that your brain is still developing and you probably don't want to do that just yet. And I see where sex plays a similar role it's like well your brain and your body are still kind of sorting themselves out and do you really have the emotional capacity to navigate this um 
and just trying to find that delicate balance of not necessarily shaming, but like bringing some awareness of like, you know, why are you making these choices? Um, But yeah, you you know, you want to empower someone. If someone is going, you know, to, to find this like safer sex approach to make it um, as user-friendly as possible. So, um, so yeah, it it is a, it is such a, a tricky subject. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we kind of take away the, the stigma. And so, um, so thank you so much for being on and, and being willing to have these conversations. Um, we are just about to wrap up. Is there any, um, last kind of closing thought takeaway that you want to, um, give our listeners? Well, I think the main thing that I want people to know after listening to this is that you cannot tell whether someone is a virgin or not. So if you want to know whether someone's a virgin, all you have to do is ask her. That, that, that's as simple as it is. You ask her. And if you're, yeah, you just, you just ask her, man. <laughs> and if, I just want to also reinstate that your worth has nothing to do with your virginity. Your worth doesn't decrease with the amount of sex that you're having. And women are not objects. We're not there just for men to please them and raise their kids. Women are full human beings who deserve to give and receive and enjoy their own pleasure just as much as men do. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. So, yes, if you are listening, um, we have been talking with Dr. Megan Martin, who is a uh, doctor out in South Africa. Um, She was recognized by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for International Family family planning leaders. She's contributed to the Celebration of uh, Vulva Diversity book. You can find her. Her website is drmeganmartin.com, which is chock full of amazing resources. I highly, highly recommend that. Um, And uh, yeah, we have hopefully debunked for you the virginity myth um, that, you know, medically there is no way to prove this. And ultimately, um, emotionally and mentally to just know that that you are so much more than uh, the sexual choices that you make with your body. And we hope you feel empowered to make healthy sexual choices with your body. So, yeah, thank you so much for joining us again, Dr. Megan Martin. Um, It has been a pleasure talking with you. I really appreciate you coming on and and sharing your insights and wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to talking again. Absolutely. Um, And Dr. Megan Martin is also on Instagram, so you can find her there. Um, I'm following her. Her stuff is great. That's actually how we connected, thanks to the wonders of social media. So you can find her there. Um, and I am Christiane Bella. You have been listening to Intimacy Architecture Radio. We are here to help you build a life you love. So thank you so much for listening and joining us. And you can tune in next week. Um, our guest will be Judy Miller. And we'll be talking about uh, the power of forgiveness and healing. So tune in for that. All right, everybody. Have a great day wherever you are Um, and thanks again take care thank you for tuning in and being part of intimacy architecture join christiane bella for the next show we're live every friday at 5 p.m pacific time and 8 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel now go enjoy the weekend